Hey, and welcome to another edition of the Wake Up Play with Dougie Show. I'm your host, Dougie Almeida, coming to you from Simpsonville, South Carolina, where I'm blending in. Actually, some of my friends are like, why'd you leave South Florida to move to Greenville or Greenville, South Carolina area? I'm like, because I don't want to worry about 150 mile an hour hurricane winds blowing my house away. Everybody in Florida, bunker down, baby, bunker down. You know what I'm saying? Uh, be careful. Big, big category four hitting your ass. Don't have to worry about it now. Anyway, proud of that. So uh, anyway, besides that, we got a great show for you today. I got two of my fellow friends in the business of comedy. We're going to be talking about comedy. We got some funny stories we're going to go over with you. Without further ado, let me bring on our guest today, Daniel Ikus and Dan Ellison. What's up, fellas? What's up? What's happening? There we go. Daniel, did I pronounce your last name correctly, Daniel? No, not at all, but it's fine. Everybody gets it wrong. <laughs> How do you pronounce your last it name, Daniel? It's uh, Ichis. Ichis. Yeah. I tried to make I it. I tried to make it sound in European. I, I guess you know, like a Greek <laughs> god or something. Trying to make it. I get it all. Ichis yeah. is the one that always throws me off. I'm like, what? Uh, how do you get? How do you get that out of EA? But, yeah. <laughs> Mucus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just call me Spit. Uh, to make it short. Um, actually, Daniel, we met back. Uh, I think shit. It was at the. Uh, the uh how was that place in uh telemuka uh pachanga casino yeah yeah back back in the day where there's... you opened for me mr dry bar and uh <laughs> <laughs> they're still you know they're still closed for for covid i mean the the casino's open but still no comedy shows right now which is it's kind of yeah. crazy yeah that's that's bugging me that they, they, they were talking about it they're getting reopened soon that location and laughlin location too so Dan, uh, Dan, have you ever done that room? You ever done the Pachanga Casino? No, I have not. Yeah, fun room, fun room. When we did it, they had a different room, and then they they, re, they have another one. They remodeled the other room, which was a uh, which is a bit different. But uh, and of course, Dan, you and I met at the World Series of Comedy, uh, many different satellites, and uh, every time I see your face, I think of the dildo joke. <laughs> I think that's Joe's favorite joke too. That and Carvana. <laughs> There's a dildo factory. <laughs> that's awesome. I hope you like my background. This is the dash of the van. I'm in my mobile recording studio in a side yard somewhere in Vancouver, Washington. There you go. Now, you know, Dan, it's great about Dan has a van. Dan has a van. <laughs> with uh with a fucking air conditioned unit connected to it a bed and you live in that you live in that van pretty much you, you're all over the country in that van i've been living in it right now since august 6th and i'll be in it till mid-december living in it wow what so where yeah. do you where do you take a dump at you, you don't have a toilet in there do you no i i park at truck stops and then like uh people i know i park outside their houses and then you know, you just, you, you learn to be regular on the highway. You don't have any surprise <laughs> ones. And so, <laughs> I, <laughs> when I get up in the morning, it's going to be somewhere between nine or two <laughs> for the second one. And then <laughs> you get it, and then you get on the road, and then the rest of the day, I'm good. And, uh, you know, it's it's a different lifestyle, but I save, I save between eight and $10,000 a year on hotels. That's true. 
It's true. I mean, you yeah. got to shit in somebody's yard or somebody's house, knocking on the door. Hey, I got to fucking take it. I got to pinch a big fucking log on your, your you know. Uh, yeah, I got one pulling into Brownsville Station. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, uh, where are you living, Daniel? I am uh, in a vanual. Uh, no, that was a dumb joke. Uh, I Dan's in a van. I'm in a, okay. Um, I am in uh, Long Beach, good old Long Beach, California. Very cool. And, you know, it's like I was talking to somebody the other day, and a friend says, hey, I got a buddy who's a comic, and he has to sleep in the car, and, you know, he sleeps at rest stops. And I'm like, yeah, I got 20,000 shares of Amazon, dude. I ain't fucking sleeping in a fucking rest stop. I couldn't get a fucking hotel, you know. I mean, I'm fortunate, you know, I have a career, you know, I have a business, I can work from my computer and everywhere, you know, so, you know, I'm not as concerned about how much money I'm making when I perform. It's more about where I'm performing, you know, and I'm trying to keep stepping it up, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm not encumbered by having to make money, you know? Uh, Daniel, uh, again, congratulations on the dry bar special. That's always great. I'm working on one myself uh how 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 big is that how big was that for the career oh uh, yeah i mean it was great i uh i had just gotten done recording like my first album and then that came like two months later and um yeah it was great it was it was a ride though when i recorded it i uh there were like a couple things the first one was that i every time i get sick i lose my voice so I've always, I mean, way before COVID, anything, I'm always just like super terrified of getting sick because I lose my voice every time and then I can't perform for like two weeks. I've had to cancel so many gigs because of that. And sure enough, I get sick like a week and a half before I uh, have to record the dry bar special and my voice is gone. And I was freaking out thinking that I wasn't going to be able to, to record it, but um yeah, within like the day before I end up getting my voice back. And uh, luckily you can hear it because if not, I would have had to bring on props or learn how to mime or something. <laughs> yeah, have, 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 a, have a bad translator uh, do it. I mean, that used to happen, shit like that used to happen to me like when I was fighting. Like almost before every fight, like you train for weeks in you know, Muay Thai, you're training and shit. And then when you're getting ready for the fight, like the, like the week before because your body was just so revved up and shit because you start getting that angst. Sure enough, man, the night before, I think when it was my last fight, two, night, two nights before, I started getting cold, all congested and shit. I was like, oh, I'm not sleeping. And then like a dope, I took NyQuil the night before, because the night before my fight. And my trainer almost almost beat the shit out of me himself. He's like, you fucking dumbass, you're taking NyQuil the night before fight? <laughs> so by the third round, I was I was exhausted as, as, a, as a woman in a gangbang. But, uh, but it, it was uh, nevertheless... But um, well, that could be a commercial for NyQuil. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they're not going to be sponsoring the podcast anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> Never know. Yeah. Uh, Dan's got a uh, got a special on Amazon that's about to come out. Want to talk about that a little bit? Oh yeah, we were. Uh, I'm, I'm out here doing right now. There's a tour associated with. We're doing Jokers and Jesters. It's the uh, second special they've done on Amazon Prime. It's the uh, next special. And uh, I got added to the group, and uh, I'm enjoying it. We filmed down in Port Orford, Oregon. Had a blast. It's uh, a little place called Mr. Ed's Juice and Espresso Underground. And it's one of these places where the, the walls are lined with guitars of all the famous guitars who've come in there and played. Because uh, it's kind of like uh, one of those hidden places that all the important people go. And it's... 
it was a great time filming and we've been touring uh, basically Wednesday through Sunday every week now for this will be the third or fourth week and then we go clear into mid-December so um, it's been busy it's 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 changed it's nice to get back to work because you know we've all been laid off for what two years really and hmm. you know you get a little bit of work here and then people would get scared and then they'd cancel shows and then it would come back and and now people aren't so much scared about the shows, so that you know we haven't had many cancellations on this trip. I'm happy about that. So, not even hearing anybody talking about, you know, are you vaxxed out here? That's even, you know, disappeared into the sideline. Whereas yeah. I had one booker out here tell me I had to be vaxxed to work in Oregon, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I I don't think so. But I told her, I said, you know, uh, maybe next year, maybe the um, hysteria will be dead by then. And so it's it's been a good year to get back to working and making yeah. money. And, and and I I don't like them. I'm like you. I'm not a big money chaser. The reason I like comedy is it gives me an ability to be a slacker and do a lot of hiking. And mm. I love to do that. And that's what I've been doing while I've been out here, just hike, 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 and relax. And every every penny I don't spend is a penny I don't have to make. And I love living in a, in a van on the highway. I know a lot of people don't get that, but to me, it's a sweet life because I don't have to worry about making a ton of money. Well, there's something to say about the lot less stress because I've been dealing with a lot of anxiety lately with some other shit going on. And being somebody who manages the stock market and watching it drop 10% in a month alone, you know, uh, yeah. it's been fucking nuts, you know, uh, like they said, the more you take on, the more shit you got to deal with. You know what I mean? Um, how about your yeah, living arrangements? Uh, always a blessing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I was an electrical engineer before I did comedy and then you had to have insurance on the house and then worry if somebody hurt their foot on your property and have insurance on your car and have, you know, life insurance and all this other stuff. And that, and now it's just, I got my insurance on my car. I don't have to worry about a house cause I don't own one. I don't even rent one. I live in an RV when I get home. Uh, I don't, I don't regret it though. It's kind of a very simple, easy life. And when you find out what you really need to live it, it makes it kind of easy to just say goodbye to everything and relax. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. There's something to say though, that if you can't perform and you can't work, you know, then you, then you're really going to be out there trying to, can I eat this? You're going to be going walking through the woods. Can I eat this shit? <laughs> See, my, I couldn't survive, dude. Listen, I couldn't survive. Even if, if I couldn't use my navigation, I'd be fucked. Okay. I'd be like, <laughs> Oh, I'm fucked. You know? So, so congratulations to you for being a survivor. Uh, how about, how about you financially, Dan? Is, is things going good on the comedy where you, you're, you're doing well on your own? You, you, I do comedy. Roommates? What's going on? <laughs> I do comedy strictly for the money. I, uh, I hate <laughs> doing it. It's just money. Uh, no, I, uh, I am, I'm in LA, so nobody owns a house here unless like, you gotta be Tom Hanks pretty much, uh, to have a house. I, uh, I am in a house, but I rent it. So I basically, I got a good living situation. I, like, there's a couple who, we basically have the house split in half, where I have like half of it, they have half of it. And um, I've been out on the road a lot this year, but I also do a lot of acting stuff. So um, 
that always, I don't know, it's sort of half and half. And I know next year I want to focus more on staying in town a, a lot more often so I can do even more acting stuff, but it's going all right. It's yeah. The good. road could be, a, the road could be a bummer. Cause one of the questions I wanted to ask you, uh, by the way, this is part of our new segment. Uh, let me ask you. <laughs> hey. There you go. Beautiful. Let me ask you, um, you know, cause people, you know, obviously, you know, one of the best things somebody asked me, what's the, what's your favorite part about comedy? My favorite part about comedy is telling a joke and watch a few hundred people laugh their fucking ass off, you know, being able to, to wield that type of, you know, power, you know, and, and change somebody's life or feeling like that, you know, with a word or two, that to me is the, 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 the reason I do it you know, making something up on stage. Cause I love doing crowd work. So, you know, I, I just put a clip on my fan page about it. It was a bachelor party, you know, I don't know if you got to go see, go to Dougie Almeida's uh, Facebook fan page or go to my YouTube channel. New clip just put out a uh, bachelor party moment. Cause we all know bachelor parties can, you know, like bachelorette parties at a show can go fucking really wrong or they can go great. You know what I mean? Uh, what about, what about you, Dan? What's your, what's your favorite part about it? I really enjoy the entertainment side of it. That's the drug. I think anybody who really gets into it, there's something about when a whole room full of people just rip at you and turn loose. You feel the energy. You feel your hair stand up. You love it. But I really enjoy, like I said, the other side that I discovered. While I've been traveling full time since 96 up to 2008. And that was 300 plus days a year. And then I came off the highway for five years to care for my parents because they got disabled. And then I went right back to the highway as soon as I could. I, my girlfriend laughs at me and says, you have a very restless soul and I can't sit still. If I'm in the same place more than a week, I'm not happy. I like to just be here today and there tomorrow and the hmm. next place and the next place and the next place. So the travel side of it, as much people would hate it, I love it. I've slept on the oceans. I've been in the redwoods. I've seen almost every corner of this country and we live in a beautiful place and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like I said, I was yeah. an engineer. I had a full ride, six weeks, company car, the whole nine yards, but the corporate world thinks they own you. And like, you will do this and you will do that. Look, you give me yeah. a paycheck. That's what you give me. And when I saw comedy and I found out I was good enough to make money at it, it was, I put my wife through school and she got a teaching job, was supposed to take care of the health insurance and all that. And I went on my first tour and she emptied the house, cleaned out the checking account, canceled my health insurance and moved my kids to another city. So <laughs> this is what was left. <laughs> God damn it. He's smiling. Fucker. You get to a certain point where I'm just going to be happy and then whatever's going to happen is whatever's going to happen. There's not much I can change. I plan, I live my life to plan life. You know, I had the 401k and I had the house and the golf course community and I had the wife who was a teacher and all, I had everything. And then it all just went poof yeah. and disappeared. And then yeah. I came to this and I was like, I went through years on the road, you know, roads like therapy. So I did my own little road therapy and then I figured out, you know what? Um, I'm much happier. And then I was like, well, I don't need stuff. And then it, 
then life became really simple because I had car collections and that all requires money. It used to go fishing in the deep sea that required money. And then you eliminate all the things that don't require money. You suddenly have time. You're not running around like some idiot trying to make something happen every single second of the day. And I'm just enjoying early retirement. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, now, Daniel, you're a younger guy, so you got a lot more shit to plan ahead. You know what I mean? Uh, you know what I mean? But you did mention, you know, like I, I'll say this in between that, like, I, I don't mind the try. I like getting places, like being in different places. I just hate going through the shit to get there. Uh, like if I could, I would rather drive everywhere if it was possible, you know, cause I don't mind driving 10, 12 hours. I, I'm not a problem with that. I just hate getting on an airplane with some fucking, and some big fat guy thinks, Oh, it's a good, I'm going to get in the middle seat next to this fat guy. You know, I, I, listen, I'm at that, I was on the plane and this guy literally on Southwest was going to sit down. He, he goes, that seat taken. I go, dude, are you kidding? Me? I looked at him. I go, are you kidding me? You want to sit next to me, bro? You, why don't you go find an old lady, you know, to sit in between, you know? This is not fucking, and he was like, oh, are you serious? I go, yeah, I'm fucking serious. Do you want to think I'm going to be in a four-hour fucking flight with you and me sitting next to each other look like, looking like two titties in a bra? Just fucking go somewhere else. That's the beauty of being a comic, because you can say that shit, you know, in public and not be blamed. Uh, but Daniel, like you said, you're sticking around to do the acting and stuff, but that's, you know, when you don't travel, that eliminates a lot of stress. Yeah, I, uh, you know, it's funny, because that's, I have the exact opposite same issue, different uh, situation. People look at me, they're like, oh, you're skinny. I'll take advantage of this guy. Here's a seat and a half for me. <laughs> yeah. And I always have to be like, are you going to pay for the armrest? Because uh, <laughs> how come How come if you're overweight, you have to pay for two seats, but I don't get to pay for half a seat? Huh? How? Wh yeah. Where's Where's yeah. the logic there? You are right. If I, saw, if, I, if I saw, if I was coming up and I saw you in the seat, I, oh, I'm going to sit next to this little dude. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm gonna... see so i always get like i'm always hoping for like i don't know the hot girl and instead it's always the sweaty guy who's just like this yeah will do. <laughs> <laughs> that's true um <laughs> i don't mind honestly i don't mind the traveling part of it i don't mind driving or um flying i, I do like seeing I don't know. I do like seeing what's out there even even the laughlin nevadas of the world um I think so often you, you know, you hear people, uh, you know, waiting until they retire to travel and, and to be lucky enough to get to travel and see a bunch of stuff when you're younger and get to go do a bunch of stuff that, you know, none of my friends are getting, to, you know, none of my non-comic friends are getting to do, um, you know, it's really, it's really cool. Yeah. I, I think you're right. You mentioned Laughlin. It's like, I remember the first time I went to Laughlin, you're like driving through the fucking desert from Vegas. You know, and you're like, where the hell am I going? You know what I mean? And then you, you go over this little ridge and you're heading down this, you're heading down this like mountain in a sense. And you're coming down, you see this little oasis because it, it looks from a distance. It looks like an oasis. There's like a running, there's like a, there's like a river running through it and everybody's just all habitants of just, you know, just suckled up right to the water, you know, to be as close to this fucking thing as possible. Yeah. But when you're there, it's funny as shit, because when you take that walk, you stay at the edge of water, you take that walk along, and then you go into the, you, you cross the border, right? You go over the bridge, you're in the other, you're in another state. And you're right, that, that's the kind of shit. And I take pictures from there. My friend's like, where the fuck is that? I'm like, old Vegas, baby. It's old Vegas. Uh, <laughs> but there are definitely places like that. Like in Portland, I was in Portland a few weeks back, you know, being able to drive, you know, through the, you know, the, through those beautiful areas and stuff, you know, it's uh it's different. But then, of course, then you got to do gigs like in Wichita or fucking, you know, Tulsa and shit, you know. 
which, you know, not that glamorous, I guess. Um, not glamorous, but you do get to see, you know, it's one thing to go see the Eiffel Tower. It's another thing to go 10 blocks away and see how the people of Paris live. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's yeah. what we get to do. You know, we, yeah. It's, yeah, there's touristy stuff, but we get to actually see the real America for better or worse. We, you know, that's true, man. It's true. Um, you can. So, uh, if now that we talked about some of the good things, what, 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 what do you think probably the worst thing? What's the worst thing about comedy? Uh, you want me to go first? Or the other, Why don't you go you? first this time? No, go ahead. All right. Uh, I'm not going to be popular for this. Uh, cops. I, uh, I have been, I've done 2 million miles. I've had one instance where somebody tried to rob me and I've been pulled over over 50 times on fishing expeditions for drugs. Yeah. Uh, I've been pulled over following too closely, uh, crowding the white line, dangling objects, fluttering hood, dirty license plate. Uh, I can make a list and to have all of your personal belongings going through like you're some common criminal is uh, disgusting. And, hmm. But that has changed now that pot's been legalized to a certain extent because when I went into California through the fruit checkpoint, I had my weed setting in bottles next to me in the middle console, but I had to take time to hide my potatoes <laughs> because you can't bring fruits and vegetables into California. You can really? you can rob their drugstores, you can poop on the street, you can shoot up your heroin, but hey, 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 leave that nana <laughs> at the border. And <laughs> so so every real drug. problem I've had on the highway has to do with law enforcement and not with one criminal. Uh, but mm. That's my, my biggest thing. Because if I didn't have to worry about being pulled over for some made-up BS reason, um, I would travel more relaxed. Matter of fact, that's yeah. why I bought a dash cam with the speed on it, was to protect myself because I got one ticket, and the guy said I was doing 80 and a 60, which I absolutely wasn't. But it's his word against your word. And so yeah. that's why I got a camera. And now... Uh, I've already used it in one case where a cop has pulled me over. So it's already saved itself. Uh, yeah. But not a that's, bad move. That's, that's it. Other than that, I love the people. I love the travel. I just, that's my one thing. If I could fix in comedy, I would fix that. So if it was up to Dan, he would just live, he would defund the police across the country just so no, he could. <laughs> See, that's the other thing, though. Here's the other end of it. I'm not for defunding the police, but I am for police that respect your rights. Because yeah. see, when I was younger, if a cop pulled me over for a taillight out, he wouldn't come up and touch the, the rear bumper because I'm a deadly criminal and he knows it. He would come up to my window and he'd go, excuse me, sir, but you know you have a taillight out. I know this is how it would go because I've had this happen when I was younger. And I was like, no, sir, I did not. And he goes, well, get it fixed. And I said, thank you. And he walked. Mm -hmm. But now, because I'm crowding a white line, uh, it comes up to the window, license, registration, proof of insurance, your papers. You must produce your papers. So I produce my papers. And then comes the questions 
that assault you in that got any wants or warrants. Well, what would make you think that I have wants or warrants? Well, I ask everybody that. So you treat everybody as if they're guilty until you prove them innocent. The exact upside down of what you promised to do. Uh, if you notice, nobody wants to defund the detectives. Well. They want to defund the eight cruisers sitting in the middle of interstate in a wolf pack robbing people as they pass while people go into a Walgreens with a bag and empty the shelves into the bag and walk scot-free. Listen, That's the problem I have with the police. I think I think we're going to put together a GoFundMe page for Dan so he can get a new fucking scoot like a sprinter van so he doesn't have to deal with this shit because, you know, his van's like the old Cheech and Chong van rolling down the fucking street with a fucking air conditioned unit sticking out of the back and shit, you know, but uh, we well, got to change that so you don't have to deal with that. I've been pulled over in a Toyota Celica. I've been pulled over in a Honda Civic. I've been pulled over in a Grand Prix. I've been pulled over in a van. I've been pulled over in a 24-foot Toyota motorhome. Mm. I've been pulled over in a Nissan pickup truck, two Geo Storms, and I think that's it. All right, Dan, so it's not the car, it's you, all right? Maybe you should wear a fucking mask. <laughs> you know, we're like, we're like a Bill Clinton mask when you're driving or something, you know? Uh <laughs> It's clearly not the car. It's you know, it's that beard. It's anybody who's got those scruffy little beards. They're fucking they're a drug addict, or, or peddling meth. Um, Dan, uh, Daniel, what's uh, what do you think is the worst part about it? Well, I just want to be able to bring my bananas from Nevada into California. You know what I mean? Yeah, they've got the best bananas there. No, um, uh, I would say. I mean, I don't. It's there are plenty of uh, worse things in the world to complain about, but when it comes to comedy, I, you can't, people almost forget sometimes you're a real person and there's, I, I guess when it comes to show and we've had this situation, somebody comes up to you and they're like, I, I got a joke for you. And you're like, yeah. I, you get a little depressed cause you're like, man, you liked the show. You liked what you saw. And, you still like you don't realize that I put my heart and soul into writing all this stuff for the past few years, and you just think I'm gonna take your uh you know shitty yeah. joke that you <laughs> yeah. tell people at the office and start using it on stage like it's a little depressing sometimes you're just like, ah oh, God, you're the one who liked me, and you think I'm gonna say that joke on stage <laughs> they always <laughs> yeah. suck. those jokes are always terrible they're never and good. most of yeah. the time for me. They're, they're always a little bit insulting uh, in the yeah. sense. I remember one guy came up to me after a show once. And I mean, super nice guy. Like he was very like complimentary, but he's like, I got, I got a joke for you. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's, yeah, let's hear it. And he's like, all right, uh, use this one on stage. Uh, you're so skinny. You can't even carry a box. And I'm just like, That's okay, fun. thanks. Ah. <laughs> I was like, was that supposed to be a joke or are you just uh, <laughs> saying I'm a worthless piece of shit? Is that all you're yeah. saying? <laughs> he just wanted to call me a skinny fuck, you asshole. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, there, that so is I, horrible. No, when I they, could do without the, like, respect the art. What's that? Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, that, there's nothing worse than you sitting there and somebody goes, oh, I got a joke for you. Like, oh, you know, I can. And I've gotten, I actually got a complaint for one particular comedy club I still haven't worked with yet in Florida, there was a woman who came up to me and says, uh, she goes, oh, 
before the show, because you, oh, you're the one of the comics. I'm like, yeah. She was like all blonde and thinking she's all that shit. And she's like, would you? Why don't you tell me a joke? I go, well, I'm about to go up and do an hour of jokes. So if you're going to be here, you might as well just sit down and watch me do an hour of the jokes. Then me tell you one here at the bar. She's like, oh, come on. You want to tell me a joke? Like, tell me a joke. And I'm like, well, I'm no, I could tell you're one of these women who think you the guys do everything for you. But I, you know, I, I'm, I'll tell you a joke. The, the fucking, you know, I, I don't, I, I, I turn the switch on, then I fucking tell jokes. Right now, I'm just a guy chilling out before the show. That lady called, you know, put a complaint in and said some shit, made up some shit. I found out, you know what I mean? And it's like uh, this weekend, it was so funny. One of the shows, uh, which we're going to get into, I don't know, one of the questions I'm going to ask you, let me ask you, uh, what do you think about 6 p.m. shows on a Friday? Um, You know, this woman, you know, I could tell. I'm sitting there as the crowd's coming in, and this guy and his wife and other couples come in. Their table like four or six people. And the woman's coming in. You could see it. She's not happy. She's just one of these women who are looking around, like, where are we going to sit? And the husband's like, well, how about, you know, sit over here? And she's like, she looks where he's sitting. She looks away uh, other places. And I'm like, oh, this, look at this. You could tell, you know, you live long enough. You can, you know, you don't need to be an FBI agent to profile people. You're like, oh, that's a miserable fucking woman. You know, she's like so controlling. You can see it. Sure enough. I tell her, I tell this abortion joke. I tell in the beginning, it's a quick one. It's funny. You know, it's a fucking stupid. And you go, oh. And then the whole time I'm up there, she's chatting. Oh, I don't like this guy. I can hear her in the back. And then I tell a joke. I'm not racist. It's into her. And she's like, you are racist. And then she's like, you know, she's clamoring and shit. So I ignored her because I'm opening for somebody. I didn't want to get into it. I wanted to go on and say, you know, ma'am, I'm sorry that you're not. I'm sorry you're so unhappy and that you were not a cheerleader when you were in high school. And if you were a cheerleader, you're probably that fat skank on the bottom of the pyramid. And you're not happy about that. I'm sorry you weren't you were homecoming queen. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? I mean you know, you're not a tumbler, you know, you're not a tumbler um, in a shit. And I, and I was ready to, you know, I was ready to give it all. And I'm like, I held back and I didn't. And then, of course, the woman gets up I'm, after the show. The headliner's up. She gets up and she's she's coming around. She sees me in the back table. She looks at me. So I, I go like I'm sitting there like this. She's walking by. I'm just sitting there like this. <laughs> and she's looking at me he's like, hey, give me the finger. I'm like, yeah, I'm giving you the fucking finger, bitch. Uh, so, yeah, that kind of shit gets crazy, you know. Um, for me, for me, that craziness is it's, it's like always relative in this business. You know, you're up here, but you, you're trying to get here, you know, and then you're there. Now you're trying to get here. And it's like this endless, like I got to kind of like what you don't like in the corporate world, right? Cause that's what the corporate world's all about. You, you're doing all this shit for the man and you're doing it and it's never enough. You know, you always ask for more. Uh, you know, I, so sometimes that, that, cause I've had friends say, dude, you're killing it. You're working all the time. I'm like, well, why the fuck aren't I happy? You know what I mean? Why, why is it? I'm still feel like I've still got to do so much more, you know? So it, it's amazing to me. That's that's Cause I don't know if that's just who I am or the business, but I always feel like there's more I could be doing, you know, there's just more I could be doing to get to the next level. You know what I'm saying? Also, uh, people don't consider our career a career. Because does anybody ever come up to you going, how's that comedy job going? No, they all come up. How's that skit thing going? How's that? How's your how's your jokies going? They never they never address you in any remoteness that it's serious whatsoever. You're yeah. somehow some kind of loony tune and something wrong with you. But it's never how's your job? Yeah. Good point. I, th- I think that yeah. changes when you get on TV a bit. I think people will start looking at you a little more. I mean, you see a little bit of a change with with the with the special or the with like the dry bar special, Daniel. 
Uh, not really. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, even with acting, you know, it all comes down to like, there's so many people and I don't really blame them, but it, they just don't know everything that goes into it. You know what I mean? Um, I feel like the, the analogy I always have, cause we all know that guy who's like, Oh, I'm the funniest guy I know, you know, uh, who's like, I was funny at a party once I could do this, you know? Uh, but they've never tried comedy and then they go up there once and they, you know, they eat it. Uh, the, the analogy I always have is, is with football, right? It, anybody could throw a ball. Some people could throw a ball really hard, but being able to throw a ball to a receiver while a defense is coming at you and there's an audience yelling at you and they're running a route and you're trying to switch and watch your footwork and throw it past this defender, that's stand-up comedy. And I yeah. feel like a lot of people think it's just throwing a ball. <laughs> yeah. That's a, dude, that, that is such a great point. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm really yeah. big in this word proficiency. You know, I, I was I was I was looking at this because I spent 33 years of my life as a financial advisor, you know, and I got into a discussion with some local comic uh, out here that was trying to explain to me what caused inflation. And I'm like, bitch, you have you've been a fucking dishwasher and a taxi cab driver. Don't fucking tell me you understand why inflation fucking happens. OK, you can read. I call I'm putting like a bit together called Google Geniuses, you know, in hindsight, Hindus. These fucking people like that. It's under that premise that you're talking about, Daniel, that people think they they look at that one dimension of something. Oh, that's easy. You know, I could throw the ball, you know, and that would always happen in martial arts. I, I fought in 10 pro Muay Thai kickboxing matches. I've been training since I'm four years old. People think, ah, oh, I know how to punch. No, it's fucking different. You know, it's different. When, you know, it's different when you hit a bag than what it is when somebody's about to knock you the fuck out. You know, and all that and all that other things learning by the, the, the Marines call it learning by fire, you know, like you have to get into the fucking battle if, if, before you do, you know, and then like I laughed at a comic recently. She, she goes to me, she goes, should I work on my new material? I go, how long have you been doing comedy? She's like two years. I go, it's all fucking new it's material. All. <laughs> You've been doing comedy two years. That shit's all new. You know, the shit you haven't even written yet is new. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's just fucking funny. That's a great point because people don't get everything that consists of what we do. You know, you got to get booked. You got to, you got to put shit out. You got to do, you know, orchestrate yourself. You got to, you know, learn how to balance your, your, the timing of your jokes. You know, you know, it's people that, like, I had a comic, he's like, what, give me some notes. And he wanted me to give him notes about his material. And I said, dude, you, you gotta, you gotta years to work on your material. Here's your notes. Stop looking down. You know, simple. How many new comics you see will tell jokes and they're looking down like this and they'll look up and, you know, I said, just start with that. You know, oh, that's it. Yeah, just fucking start with that. It's just a simple thing. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just so much to it. It's, it's, I think, yeah, a lot of it has to do with people, you know, the average person has never done stand up comedy, so they don't really know what's, what's in it. But they, they would know that in a movie, you know, if something's, it's not all about the jokes to a stand-up. You know what I mean? Like in a movie, they know that it, it's not, if a movie's bad, they don't sit there and go, oh, what a terrible script, <laughs> you know? Because it's not <laughs> even about the words half the time. Most of the time, it's like, well, that actor was terrible and director didn't know what he was doing and this shot sucks and this thing, you know? I get that about movies. Well, it's the exact same thing with stand-up and I don't think people realize that. that it's not, sometimes it's not even just about the jokes. It's about, you know, everything else that's at you at once and and still trying to deliver those words <laughs> yeah yeah it's true man
Um, quick question. Let me ask you, who is on your uh, Mount Rushmore of comedy? Dan? You're going me first again? All right. Yeah. Uh, I go way back. I think the, the first stand-up I ever really saw in person was Steve Martin back when he was doing King Tut and all that. And yeah. excuse me and the arrow through the head. I saw him when I was young. And then I also, I listened to Cheech and Chong. Nice dreams. Uh, that was that was a fave amongst everybody back when I was in school. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I've seen Gilbert Gottfried and not many people pick him, but if you've ever seen him in a bar, he is, he's an animal and it's fun to watch. And it's just, right. you're like, wow, I, I can't believe you said that. So even with all that said, I have to go Carlin. I have to. Yeah. That's that's my pinnacle because he is so he's so political, but it's really hard to put him in a side in my book. He, yeah. Unless you pick libertarian, because he's very much for the individual, and yeah. so I think that he did great work, great groundbreaking work. His his specials are always entertaining. It's hard to find somebody who's not even remotely a Carlin fan. You know, it's really sure. hard to find somebody like remotely. Um, I would have to say Carlin. So Mount Rushmore, so I got four, right? So that'd be Carlin, Steve Martin, simply because he got me started. And Cheech and Chong are my, that's my biggest influences. Yeah. Mr. Stadenko. <laughs> my brother used to have the fucking, you know, the, the Cheech and Chong album that came out and made it look, made it look like a desk school desk yep and rolling papers yep. and shit you know one of my favorite cheech and chong moments two guys are walking through the snow hey what is that i don't know looks like dog shit pick it up what pick it up <laughs> feels like dog shit smell it what smell Ugh. smell like dog shit taste what <laughs> taste <laughs> tastes like dog shit Oh, good thing we don't step in it. <laughs> Did you ever hear nice dreams when they were yeah. at, when they were they were fat China <laughs> and they were getting ready for a frontal assault? And they were like, "Well, they just spread something slippery on us. They're going to try to slip something past us." <laughs> and then you hear the phone ring and 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 they said, "Oh, it's the assholes. He's worried they're going to try to slide by her." <laughs> crazy shit dude. yeah uh, well, funny it was, stuff it was, it was groundbreaking if you think about yeah. what was out back at that time it was 100 yeah. percent original and groundbreaking yeah yeah i got to see them when they came back they went back on tour for a little bit years ago some in miami they went together and they did a lot of the skits which was pretty fucking funny uh daniel who was some? you know next they have to have four but who who would be some people you'd like to see in the comedy mount rushmore um I think I'd at least I'd keep Abraham Lincoln on there. I feel like you should uh, yeah. <laughs> you should stay on there. Um, honestly, this sounds like it's a cop out, but I really I think honest to God I would I would leave it blank. I don't think I can choose, and I don't think it's because you know the, yeah, there's lots of funny people out there, but it's so comedy so cultural and so subjective that 
yeah, I know it sounds like blasphemy, but you know, 200 years from now, people are going to look back at who we think is hilarious and they're going to be like, I don't get it at all. Yeah. What, I don't yeah. understand what's funny about that. It's so, and, and that's the beauty of standup is it's always changing. We're always pushing ourselves to make it better. And it's so hard to say who is the best because it also comes down to, well, do we want the funniest person or do we want somebody who, do we, the person who like started the creative aspect, the originality part of it? I always, uh, I play guitar and I'm a, like a big rock fan. And, you know, if you like rock at all, people are always talking about who's the greatest guitar player of all time. Right. And that's always been such a hard one for me, too, because you look at, you know, you take two people like Jimi Hendrix and Eddie Van Halen. Who's better? Well, I don't know. Well, there would be no Eddie Van Halen without Jimi Hendrix. And at the same time, could Jimi Hendrix have done what Eddie Van Halen could do? Probably not. You know, one's right. technically great. And the other one created stuff, um, sure. you know, was a, 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 the originality part of it. So I, as much as it sounds like a cop out, I, I don't think I could choose. Because I, when I first started, I actually got into reading books and, and at, at the local library, uh, like biographies and stuff. And, local library they had all the old ones it was like george burns milton burl you know <laughs> like the some of the jack benny like uh, bob hope and, and comics like that and, you know you got people who think they're the greatest of all time and then they're yet you know you got your carlins and steve martin and and this whole other generation who came later that you could easily argue is, is, is way better than any of those people but uh now you got your dave chappelle's and bill burr's and I don't know. It's I don't think I could put anyone on a rush more, but also I think that's one of my favorite things about comedy is that you you can't create a rush. It's always going to be changing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know? it's a good point. It's almost like comedy contests and shit, right? Uh, you know, it's like you know you can have somebody that's at high energy and it's going to make the crowd crazy, but after about forty minutes, that makes you crazy. You know, I, I'm a more of a laid back <laughs> comic. I like kind of like you know doing some shit. You know, so it's it's going to be different. You know, last per minute, all that kind of shit. You know, it's, it's true what you say, too. You think of somebody like Milton Berle, who was like one of the first real TV comics, but he was a fucking huge joke thief. So if you're going to you can't put him on a yeah. fucking you can't put him on there. Yeah, he was funny. A lot of people knew him, but he stole all the jokes from people he saw in the fucking in the comedy open mics and all the comedy rooms. He stole all their jokes and he was the first one to put them on fucking TV. And he got credit <laughs> for him. You know, I, I had somebody yeah. recently tell me, ask me that. She goes, it, it's like there was we were talking about a comic, uh, a well-known comic. I'll mention his name here, but he's he's. He was stealing. We knew he stole jokes. And they're like, the guy said to me, he says, why would that guy steal jokes? He performs all over the country, you know, blah, 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 blah. I go, that's why he fucking steals jokes, because he can go to a comedy club. He can watch one guy do a joke that he's always the local comic that only works in Mississippi or some shit. And then he goes on the road to fucking L.A. and something. He's going to tell that guy's joke because no one no one knows yeah. this poor guy's joke, you know. And that's the worst thing anybody can. I always learn this. When somebody comes up to you after a show, a big comic, and they go, hey, I like that joke. That means they're fucking taking it. That basically means they're going to fucking take it. Don't tell Donnell Rollins, fucking working with him at Dr. Grin's one time. This is when uh, um, uh, 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 Bruce Jenner was going through the transition thing. And he had just had that car accident where he killed somebody. You know, he actually it was it was vehicular manslaughter. Yeah. So I, I, the joke was, I'm sure you all heard the news about Bruce Jenner being found guilty of manslaughter. And, you know, it was like a simple fucking joke. And I walked off stage and he goes, that's a funny joke. People are going to take that joke. I go, I guess you're going to fucking take the joke. So, you know, it's, it's just interesting. So but but you're right. But then you have like to me, when I judge comics now, I'm impressed with turnover material. 
you know, like mm. I'm still working a core of material. It's like with, with, uh, with dry bar, I'm working on the 30 minutes of, you know, that, you know, that comedy that can work in front of Mormons and stuff versus my normal act. Uh, but I'm always impressed when I see a comic and then a year later or whatever, they're doing a complete different 30 fucking minutes. You know, it, <clears throat> that to me is an impressive aspect of comics that I, that I look and, and I definitely admire because that's something I'm working at. I need to really turn over material. I need to really get to writing. You got, you guys have like yeah. a, a, like a, like a, like a method to that madness. You guys have a concern about that. What, what do you guys think when it comes over that material, new material, turning it over? Daniel. Uh, well, I still, I steal material, so it's pretty easy for me. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, uh, I don't have like a set rule. Like I got to do, you know, this many minutes in three months and by six months, this many, blah, blah, blah. But I do try to constantly be working on stuff. And um, I don't know. I don't know if there is a standard, but also I don't, I don't, I try not to get too mad at myself. It's tough. It's, it's conflicting because we live in a society now where unfortunately it's like people want stuff online. You got a new clip today. What about you posted a new one yesterday? What about today? Huh? You don't have a new minute yeah. today. <laughs> it's just yeah. like this want content constantly. And yet on the other side of the coin, if you look at some of the, like, you know, some of the greats throughout history, whether it's comedy or just whatever it is, um, I, 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 not, not to get too deep about it, but I remember uh, uh, there was a while when I got really into like Da Vinci. I would read through all these like books about Da Vinci and you'd look at the span of time between some of his major paintings. And sometimes it was like 15 years, you know what I mean? And I'm like, man, can you imagine that nowadays? If you came up out with your greatest special and you didn't come out with your next great special till 15 years later, but it worked. You know, he's still thinking yeah. he was one of the greatest artists of all time. So it's like, does it really matter to constantly come out with stuff? I don't know. It's such a uh, um, changing society that I, yeah, I, uh, I go back and forth with it. I, I try to come out with as much as I can, as fast as I can, but I also try not to get mad at myself or disappointed yeah. in myself if I don't have the next great bit as quickly as I want it to, you know? Yeah. That's a good point. You know, it's like in Dan's world there about, you know, keeping things simple. Dan Freezer, he's just fucking, okay. Dan, you're so no, stoic, dude. I thought you're fucking. <laughs> Jeez. I thought the I'm cop was pulling you over. I thought the cop was coming over. <laughs> Show me your fucking papers. Um, uh, you know, how about you, Dan, when it comes to writing and, and uh, turning over material? Well, it's really funny. Uh, believe it or not, I worked with Alan King way back in the day that'll tell you how long i've been doing comedy i i did i did a show with him and the thing about the old comics and when i started in comedy it was about having a perfect set you know where every word was the right word and you could record these people's sets and play them and they would be lined up word for word all the way through the pauses and everything and I started in that mentality of developing the perfect diamond, so to speak, because each place you made a cut, it got better till you got to a point you had a show that was just razor sharp and didn't matter what club you stepped in, it worked. Right. But if you were limited to coming to a club once a year, 
Well, these clubs generally aren't doing that anymore. I'm seeing headliners sometimes three and four times a year in a room. And if you're coming in headlining and doing your same material, it ain't going to be long before that audience gets a real cue on what you're doing. So right. if you want to come back more, you got to write more. Now, is what you're writing better than if you had honed a perfect act or just throwing it out there and actually what you've got is a half-cut diamond that if you worked on it even more, it would be an even better bit. And so I don't sit down ever to write. I don't ever sit down at any point in the day and go, I'm going to write. And I also don't give myself pressure to write anything. But the best time for me to write is when I'm bored. So when I'm driving yeah. and I'm out on tour, the, the stuff comes to me. Yeah. And I'll listen to news and I'll see stories. And then my head starts chewing that fat around. And before you know it, a joke comes out. I put the note in. And like the one I wrote out here in, in the Pacific Northwest that's absolutely slaying is just an observation I made driving down the road. I sat there and I said, you all have beautiful country out here. I said, it's lovely. I said, I always knew you were guys were in hiking, but till I drove through Portland, I had no idea how much you were into camping. I said, you're <laughs> camping under interstates, you're camping in the cities. I said, I had that kills out here. Yeah. And that totally was something that just, popped in my head as I was driving. So I, yeah. I don't like yeah. to set and write because I find it to be forced and contrived. I really like to yeah. just let it flow. Yeah. I, I think that in movement, I know, I know a lot of people, whether it's musicians, uh, writers, comics, like I, like you're saying, when I'm driving, that's when I write a lot because my, it seems like my subconscious mind is dealing with the road and all that shit, staying alive. And then that the other mm-hmm. subconscious mind is like picking up stuff I'm hearing and thought about, Oh, yo, holy shit. You know, and I could break the phone out and record, you know, oh my God, you know, this idea. It is funny yep. you said that about the, my first time in Portland and we were driving with, I was with us, uh, 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 oh shit, it's, it's blanking on me now, uh, Claude Stewart uh, and another, uh, it's Skippy Sprinkles was driving us around and, and I'm looking at what the fuck, what's up with all these tents on the side of the road? I mean, I don't get it. And they're like, yeah, it's the fucking homeless. You know, Jesus, you find a bush, you got a fucking campground on the side of the road, anything that has a little bit of a, a little bit of a shelter from the sun, you're going to fucking put a tent next to it. But it's true. I, I definitely think that's a good idea. All right. And back to, uh, let me ask you folks. I don't know if you guys know this, but today or on Monday when we're recording the show, uh, NASA is launching a space, uh, basically one of its, uh, I don't know what you call it. It's not a rocket, but basically they're launching uh, a meter into a fucking asteroid to see if it'll deflect it. Um, you guys think we? Uh, uh, you think this is going to work? Do you guys, uh, you do you think that uh, we are going to be able to deflect comets? What do you think, uh, Daniel? And yeah, maybe the universe is trying to tell us something. You know, maybe we should let that comet hit. <laughs> you know, what I mean, you send enough of them, it's like, well, well, maybe they maybe it should hit us. You know? Yeah. Maybe it'd be nice to start over here. Uh... <laughs> Just think I about it. You won't have to worry about writing all that new material, Dan. You know, we don't have to worry about, you know, very, exactly. half, the, half the fucking population is gone when they all come. New people come back like, oh, you guys haven't heard that joke yet since the fucking fall. Yeah, it wouldn't. It won't matter if you take a potato into California because potatoes won't exist, <laughs> exist and neither will California. So um, I don't know. I mean, it's a lot of effort. To, like, it, I'm sure the people making this are probably smarter than all three of us combined you know like these are some of our most intelligent people and it's like how often are these comments really 
threatening us. Uh, you know, once every 500 years, like, why don't you guys take all that brain power you have and go work on something we need? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. People are dying. People are living in tents in Portland for some, go figure out something better for them. How about that? Yeah. 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 If, 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 if an asteroid hits Portland, do the people in fucking tents care? Um, it's a good question. Uh, what do you think, Dan? This is, this is one of those things. We spend so much money on things as a country. I mean, we just we we just think of something and spend a fortune. And there have been there have been meteor impacts on Earth. That's that's not you know you can go out to the craters of the moon out here in Idaho and places like that. It's 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 obvious they've been here. So if it's anything that's going to do real damage, I don't see how they possibly are going to. Uh, inflict enough impact to change, you know, something that's megatons coming in. Uh, hmm. So I think it's just one of them things where they do to make everybody feel like they're doing something so that when the funding comes up, they're like, hey, yeah. remember, we saved you from that asteroid. Now give us our billions so that we can play Tetris at lunch. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you're, I agree. Uh, Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts, Daniel? Ah, I mean, I'm a West Coast guy, so it's it's Starbucks. I don't even I don't even know if we have a Dunkin' out here. But honestly, yeah. I hear people, and I'm a coffee guy, but I hear people complain. People who like Starbucks complain about Dunkin', and people, vice versa. Um, I don't know; it all tastes the same to me. I know, I know, you're probably gonna yell at me for that, but I how I, about I, Dutch I Brothers? Way, I don't care. How about Dutch Brothers? Dutch Brothers is more like that's like that's like eating a smoothie for breakfast. You know, it's like eating a, a candy ice cream sundae for breakfast. Like it's good, but that's a different kind of coffee. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they got, a, I, I just drink, I'm very plain, I, you know, regular coffee. I put like one sugar, one creamer in there and that's about it. Um, the, the missionary of coffees. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think because of that, I don't really care where I get it from as long as it's not from a gas station. Uh, there you go. Dan? Uh, you do have a Duncan in California. It's in Santa Monica. And the reason oh, I know yeah. that, like four years, five years ago, I was there and when it opened. And the entire time I was there, I was there for like a month and a half. There was a line two blocks long to get in that Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> That's how I know they exist there. They have one and it's doing a booming business. It's right in Santa Monica. Uh, I don't drink Starbucks coffee because I don't want to spend that kind of stupid money on coffee to, you know, cause that's stupid. What four or five bucks a cup of coffee. It's stupid. Right. Um, the best road story I have about coffee comes from Montana. Uh, if you've ever driven through Montana, just outside of Butte, there's a pilot truck stop that used to have coffee that I, I got coffee there. Cause once you drank their coffee, you could drive for hours. Yeah, and I mean, hours. Well, it turns out uh, somebody was putting crank in the coffee there. Oh, shit. <laughs> so I like the coffee with crank in it because you were yeah. talking about waking you up. <laughs> so, and it was only, it was a buck fifty a cup, which was a bargain back in the day. No shit. So. <laughs> well, no but, wonder you're getting fucking pulled over by the cops, Dan. You're fucking drinking <laughs> crank all the time. Fucking, those cops coffee. aren't that stupid. <laughs> it's crazy. 
Uh, but uh, I would have to think, I would have to default to Dunkin' Donuts because, matter of fact, I just drank some of their iced coffee yesterday and it was it was good. Yeah, I, I'm a Dunkin' Donuts guy myself. Um, and my last uh, question of uh, let me ask you: Have you ever had to work with somebody you don't like? And without mentioning names, of course, but uh, you know, uh, and of course, now that I bring this up, there's going to be a bunch of comics that I either work with or about to work with. They're going to be like, "Is he talking about me?" Uh, you know what I mean? Um, but it just came up, but, um, like, uh, Daniel, have you ever like, Hey, it's not necessarily if you had to, or you did, but like, how do you like, like, like if I know I got to work with somebody I just don't like, uh, then I'm like, Oh, you know, I mean, I could be professional, ignore everything, but you know, you ever had to do it? Uh, well, before either of you tell your stories, it's pronounced each Okay. Uh, so at least say that. <laughs> When you now, I, I don't. I hope no one thinks of me as that guy. But ah, um, uh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely happened a lot. And and you know, fortunately or well, unfortunately for me, uh, I get a lot of people. I mean, you mentioned earlier that I was uh, younger. I mean, I have. I've been doing comedy now for thirteen years, so it's not you know the thirty years like like some veterans or, or whatever, but. It's enough to I've I've done my fair share of shows in all the states and all that kind of stuff and cruises and all that kind of um, stuff. But I still get, um, especially like any comic who's older than me, which honestly it's it's most it's a lot of comics. Um, if I am headlining and they are opening, I get a lot of like they don't like me. They don't like me because really? they don't like how young I am and they think oh this guy's probably only been doing it for two years and. You know, he probably, you know, he's a TikTok, TikTok comedian or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I always have to get through that barrier uh, almost every time I'm working with someone new. Um, and sometimes I don't get through it. Sometimes, uh, you know, I definitely have several specific people in mind that I've worked with who just, uh, yeah, didn't like me. Um as a person but yeah what are you gonna do i'm not there to, for them you know yeah i'm exactly. uh i'm there for the audience and the people of laughlin nevada you know what i mean <laughs> exactly dan how about you oh no everybody's been wonderful all through my career <laughs> i can't think of anybody that i've thrown out of my vehicle and told them that they had to find their own way um, I've never done that twice. I've uh, never done that. Um, <laughs> and and if you look at the comedy situation, though, it's a miracle that there's not more dust-ups because we're all uh, many times thrown into a house together with complete strangers to live around each other for a week. And anybody who's been in a place with anybody knows after three days, they're like fish, everybody starts to stink. You find what you don't like or you find what you do like. You're the greatest buddies laughing, watching TV, or you go to your rooms and watch your own shit. It's, yeah. I have more club owners that I don't want to work with than other comics, to be quite honest with you. There's yeah. A, yeah. A, a mountain of club owners who are just, you know, they, they make it difficult for you at times. And again, they show you what they think of you when they put you up in a shit motel. I'm your entertainment. I'm what's going to make you money for the weekend. 
So here, let's put me up to a place where there's a hooker standing outside my door when I'm trying to get in my room. At least it's convenient for later that evening. But <laughs> yeah. I don't... I don't like the way we're treated at times because we are treated like we're just, you know, the, all the funny, again, no career. We're just there. We're just the funny guys. We're just the reason that you have a full bar. We're just the reason you're selling two or three grand's worth of liquor and food. We're just the reason you collected all that money at the door. But no, let's uh, treat you like dirt because you're just a funny guy. Yeah. So Yeah. It's, it's definitely tough when, when yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that I can, I respect that in the sense that, you know, listen, I'm pretty, I'm pretty outspoken kind of guy. So I can understand why somebody may not like me or my persona or my things, my thoughts and all that shit. But they, Hey, that's, you know, it is what it is. But you know, with comics, like I said, we're all just, to me, I think we're all entertainers. And like you said, it's cool. It's when, it's when there's tension or when something happens with club owners, that is the most, mem- you know, it's the, it's the, it's the worst part because now, you know, you know, I'm not going to work that club. You know what I mean? And, you know, it's really, it's, yep. I mean, it's one thing if you go to a club and you fuck up or, you know, you just, you, you just bomb and they didn't like you. Okay. That's on you. You know what I mean? That's, that's part of what you do. But when a comedy club, you know, looks at your Facebook and they, they didn't like one post you got and they got fucking triggered about a post and now they're not going to work because, you know, you don't fit their, I don't know, their woke mentality in a sense. And they get, they, they judge you, you know, Steve McGrew, uh, Mudflat McGrew is a friend of mine, you know, there's a story about how Brad Garrett banned him from his room because of his social media postings about Trump and all that shit, you know, and that, you know, a person should be able to do whatever the fuck they want, you know, and, and it, cause he doesn't do political humor. He doesn't go up on stage and, and, and separate half the room because of his ideological beliefs. He's, he's funny as fuck. He's a professional. So I think the club owner should be professional too and say, Hey, you know, and club owners have said, well, you know, I, I don't want, if somebody's going to look at that person, they're not going to come. Well, that person shouldn't come to the show. You know, if that person's going to be freaked out because somebody doesn't like a political candidate, then don't come to the fucking show. If that's the kind of thing that you then don't come. We don't want you there. You know, I don't want somebody in my show who doesn't like somebody because they are for or against abortion or, you know, they're against or for gay rights. I don't give a fuck. Do it. You know, do what you want. I don't judge people by that. And when when comedy clubs do that, you know, it's like, eh, you know, it's just that that's a bit of the ugliness of the business that we have to all deal with. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think we, well, that's uh, what I I'm think talking, we've, that's, that's what I was talking about was they, it's a one way street in the comedy industry. And that's what, like, I, I worked with this booker for 27 years. I never had a single complaint. I got one complaint. I was done working with them. One complaint. And it was a show that I specifically asked him, do you want me to be whistle clean or PG 13? And because I said teabag in a PJ 13 show, I offended his audience and I could never work for him again. One hmm. show. Not, not mention all the cancellations and things. I showed up at gigs that weren't there. No, that was all good. Cause that street flowed right. that way. Yeah. Second, it flows the other way. Uh-uh. And I don't have yeah. that with Tommy. I only have it with the uh, people who write the checks. Yeah. You bet, uh, Daniel. You mentioned doing the, the cruises and stuff to start doing that. That's something you got to worry about even more than at most comedy clubs is, is you know offending somebody. Cruise ships have become a little more lenient, it appears, in the last uh, in recent times. But uh, that was always the thing about cruise ships. You know, the, the, you can easily offend somebody, and the and the cruise people on cruises are always right. You know. 
Yeah, I don't know what it is about specifically cruises where I guess in people's minds, they're like, I'm on vacation mode. I can do whatever I want. I can think whatever I want. And th there's a sense of entitlement when people are on vacation. That don't you dare ruin my vacation. That they just get a little more, I don't know. Yeah, brave, I guess, when it comes to uh, being, yeah, calling out when they're offended or, or whatever it is. But um, it's been interesting. Uh, that whole world is, uh, is yeah, different. Yeah, because people have asked me, like, you going to do it? I'm like, look, the money's great. I don't do it for the money. You know, I mentioned earlier. But, uh, I, you know, I just, but there's a part of me that if I did want to walk away from the financial planning business, you know, that would be the way to kind of cover the income that was normally there because it's, it's good money, obviously. So, but, uh, well, gentlemen, that's all we have time for here on the wake up late with Dougie show. We didn't even get to get to the news. We guys are so interesting and, and, <laughs> and, and full of information that we didn't even get to the stupid headlines, but we'll save them for another day. Uh, Dan Ellison, everybody, Daniel, I'll just say Daniel on a fuck up your name. Uh, <laughs> Eaches, uh, Daniel Eaches, as it as it, as it looks, as it's fanatically probably perfectly uh, Daniel Eaches. Uh, Dan, where can they find you? What do you want to promote real quick? Um, EducateRedneck.com has links to everything I'm doing. Uh, on my website, there is a uh, on my schedule page. You find my radio show that's on Mondays on the Freedomizer Radio Network. Uh, I'm on Tuesdays in Osage Beach, Missouri. And also Thursdays in Osage Beach, Missouri, and my travel schedule's there. And so pretty much educatedredneck.com covers everything. And I appreciate you having me on the show, Dougie. It's a, it's a blast. Uh, we made a quick friendship when we met at the uh, World Series, and, and we've always been there in the final group, and it's always been a pleasure to compete with you. Um, and I hope you have much success. Much Thanks, success. Thanks, brother. You you too, but a good, you're definitely a good dude, man. I always love seeing you on the road. Daniel? Uh, yeah, you can add me at Dan Eaches, the word each, the word us, uh, on everything. Instagram, uh, TikTok, uh, all that stuff. You can also go to DanielEaches.com and uh, click on the tour tab, and that's uh, where you'll see uh, the next upcoming dates and all that stuff. And then just be sure you're following me on social media, and I post where I'm going to be at. And then... Uh, yeah, all that good stuff. But yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Awesome, uh, great being on, and uh, good luck, man. I'm impressed. Like seeing you headlining and shit. I'm like, oh, it's great. The guy's headlining and shit, and you know, I think that's great when I see people working hard and getting fucking, uh, getting the uh, and getting the fruits of the labor. It's that's what this business is all about. Uh, I myself, I'm going to be in Myrtle Beach, the Comedy Cabana, all week. Uh, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm going to be back in Florida the first week of October. So. Uh, going to be in the Vero Beach Comedy Zone uh, the 8th and 9th that weekend uh, out there. So uh, uh, be sure to check out. Go to DougieAlmeida.com for more dates. Aside from that, I want to again thank Daniel and Dan for joining us today on the show. No show next week since I'm going to be out of town. Uh, so uh, stay tuned for put a replay or whatever. You guys are cool. And don't forget to subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. We definitely need the subscribers to build that base up. Aside from that, uh, people in Florida, stay well, be safe out there, and everybody else around the country, God bless, and we'll see you next time right here at the same spot. Take care. Yeah.